Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There will be no death by inches. This is the Broncos Daily Podcast with Brandon Crystal. I want everything. I want all the meatballs and the pasta, you know. Football Friday, Broncos country. Appreciate you joining me here for the Broncos Daily Podcast. We'll hear from the Broncos country tonight crew here in just a little bit. Thursday, though, it was all about Drew Locke or a little more about Drew Locke. Vic Fangio told us about the 8 to 10 snaps that Drew was getting with the offense, plus some work as a scout team quarterback. I imagine he and Brett Rippon are splitting that. Uh, And so when he was kind of breaking down the eight to 10 snaps that they were getting or that drew was getting you're like, okay, well, the next logical question. And this is what I asked uh, in Vic's press conference. I said, okay, how has drew looked in his limited work so far? Good. You know, he's, um, you know, I think the time off in some ways, although you never want it helped him, you know, I think he learned a lot. Whereas, you know, when he was going through it in the spring and in training camp before he got hurt, it was piling up on him, I think, besides learning the new offense and being under center, which he had never done in college, et cetera. All those things were piling up on him and getting in the way of progressing the way you'd like to see him progress. And I think through his time off, he's been able to solve some of those issues emotionally and mentally. And I think he's looked a little bit better the first two days, albeit eight to 10 snaps, half the scout team snaps, you know, very limited sample. Kind of a surprise to hear the head coach heap praise really on anyone. Uh, Derek Wolf would joke early in the off season or throughout the off season that uh, he was asked, what's it like to get a compliment from Vic Fangio? He says, I don't know. Uh, But look, Vic will compliment his guys as they've played well. And he certainly has through the season. I think he just has a little bit of tough love um, type of, character if you will or that those are uh you know that's the way he approaches it uh but nonetheless a little bit of praise there limited of course because it's only been limited in what you've seen from drew lock we'll see how quickly the broncos activate him but then no surprise that von miller was going to heap some praise on drew lock von miller was quick to be the first guy to defend tim tebow and no different here uh as he offers us this when asked what uh has he seen so far in the limited time that he's been around Drew Locke? I just want to be here when he gets famous. He's going to kill it. <laughs> he's going to kill it. He's got he's got everything you need. The other day he, he ran out and uh, did like a little bootleg and he kind of threw it. It was an incomplete pass, but, you know, I've seen a lot of good ones play and that was probably the best incomplete pass that, I, that I've seen thrown. And, um, you know, he has a little flip up. He's just a, he's just a star in the making. You know, you saw it with Tony Romo and – and Aaron Rodgers and all these guys, and then they just blow up. And I see the same the same stuff for Drew. All he has to do is just keep doing what he's doing and, you know, good karma. And that's the type of guy he is. It's all going to come back to him. All the Broncos country is right there with you, Vaughn. They would love to see Drew Locke become a star, whether it be 
the way Tony Romo played, and I know he didn't win a lot of playoff games, but he's the Cowboys' all-time leading passer in every major category, or certainly the way Aaron Rodgers played on his way to a Hall of Fame career. But right now, you just want to see him get activated and get into a game. And in the short term, you'd like to see Brandon Allen win some games against the Vikings. So obviously, quarterback talk is... Uh, all the rage here in Denver. It almost always is, and that's where we're going to go with the Broncos Country Tonight crew. Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright, every single weeknight, 7 to 11 on KOA, the voice of Colorado. Here's my Football Friday chat with the guys from Broncos Country Tonight. All right, guys, fresh off a of bye week. I imagine the thing that has filled up the Broncos Country Tonight airwaves the most this week has been conversations about the quarterbacks and so Ryan, I'll start with you is it that people are hopeful Brandon Allen can win a couple games or do you think the general public is ready for Drew Locke even this week against Minnesota which we know won't happen but it is the clamoring that loud at least on your show I would say it's that loud yet uh, I think that they you know people can see a guy making his first start there were some inconsistencies the team won but Hey, listen, uh, it, it needs to be better. The offense needs to be better. They scored 24 points, but uh, again, you know, with a little bit better quarterback play, it could have been even more. So I think, I think people are saying, okay, it's, it's a good story. It's nice to see that they, they have a guy that can actually move around in the pocket if things break down. He can scramble. Remember, he picked up that long third down. That I think people are encouraged by, but there's you know there's intrigue, and that there's always going to be intrigue when you take a quarterback high, and I think people want to see him. So I, people understand that the clock just started this week, but if Brandon Allen struggles against Minnesota, there's going to be even more, as I said, clamoring for Drew Locke. Yeah, I, th- I think people recognize that Brandon Allen uh, is a guy who's on his third team. You know, he's a guy that's um, that's been in the league a few years, and I think winning that football game bought him a reprieve in the sense that fans are like, okay, well, you, you've earned another shot. You know, you earned it by winning. But uh, the underlying current is everybody wants to see what Drew Locke has. You know, we invest a second rounder in him. Uh, the Broncos tried to trade back into the first four and then were unsuccessful, ultimately getting the better deal. Uh, they don't get the fifth year option, but they do get the better deal, I guess, in terms of in in the second round. So I think everybody's just kind of um, well. We'll see what Brandon Allen has in the interim. I think that's kind of the feeling. It's like if he happens to win a few games, hey, maybe that maybe that perks us up. But if he doesn't, well, we weren't expecting much, but he looked you know solid enough to be a spot start guy. But what I think I, I think I appreciated about Vic Fangio and what he did early this week is he said that the play of Brandon Allen does have an impact on whether when and where we see Drew Locke. Because if, if he just out and out admitted like, no, it doesn't really matter what he does. We're just we have a plan and we're going to stick to the plan. Then if you're Brandon Allen, you're kind of like, all right, I'm just counting the snaps. I'm counting the days until I'm going to be out of here. Actually, Brandon Allen, you do control your destiny, even if even if that's not true he at least has the perception of that, and I think it's a fair way to assess almost any player in a locker room. Hey, you keep playing well, you, we keep winning with you, we're not going to go anywhere else. I, I do think it's kind of true, and a win at Minnesota would, I don't say send shockwaves, but certainly send a message to the league that, all right, the Broncos are better than their record indicates, which is something Von Miller said Thursday, and we've kind of said all along, we can cite those close losses to teams that they had beat. But I think what'll get tricky, and this is why we live in a world of hypotheticals, is if Brandon Allen and the Broncos lose against the Vikings, but then go into Buffalo and win. And so they're still mathematically in it, and you're not ready with the Chargers coming in to make that move, but you've split these two tough road games. And I think that's where John Elway and Vic Fangio, depending on the order you want to decide who has the toughest decision, have a really tough decision. 
Yeah, and, and I think that's really where all this hinges on is what happens in the next two games. You know, if you win both those games, well, your eyes are kind of opened because Brandon Allen will have had to contribute to that against some pretty tough defenses on the road, and that would might warrant a longer look. Um, I, I, and that is possible. I, I'm not saying it's plausible. I'm not, I don't expect it to happen. But if it does, I, I would be happy to be wrong and be like, you know what? Hey, we gotta we gotta we might have something here. Let's take a look. Uh, you, you never know. Six rounders can pan out. It has happened. Whether it's Gardner Minshew or Tom Brady, whatever. Um, you notice the order I put them in there. Because um, <laughs> when most people think six rounders, they think Gardner Minshew. Then, um, then they go Tom Brady. Then Tom Brady, right? But there are also a lot of six round failures. That list is is rather lengthy. So, uh, you know, I I think that you want to see what Brandon Allen has give him a couple games to make it a fair audition I think you showed enough to be around as the long-term backup but I, I think that like I said I think everybody just really wants to see when Drew Locke can get in there and and what he can showcase and and if he's going to be the guy uh, I, I think everybody wants to have a finality about that have a, a sense of um, direction going into a draft rather than a direction coming out of one I think what you'd like to see if you're a Broncos fan what you're rooting for down the stretch of the quarterbacks you find out that not only can Brandon Allen be the long-term backup but he will represent the vet that generally John Elway wants on this roster at QB and then also Drew Locke simultaneously shows enough promise that you make him the starter coming into next year's camp so you have those two guys leading that and then you know Brett Rippon is is your third quarterback maybe your practice squad guy from there what you don't want to have happen is where we're talking about all these possibilities. Well, you see just enough that you open things up for a competition, or you see just enough where you, hey, we got to spend the top pick in our draft on another quarterback because then, it, again, you're going through the lumps of another young quarterback, and then you got a room of, of unproven once again. That could lead to another year of losing. The, the Broncos don't want to go there. They want to find out in these final few games what they have at quarterback. And I, like I said, in my opinion, the perfect scenario – Brandon Allen shows you enough that he's the vet that they have on this roster, and then Drew Locke is the future. Well, and even though Brandon has a three-year head start on Drew Locke, he's certainly not in his 30s, right? So he's not the Matt Schaub kind of backup or, or guys like that. And I know this is taking a big leap, but let's go best-case scenario. John Elway had Gary Kubiak with him for a number of years, and then Bubby Brister at the end, but John and Gary kind of grew together, and I think it's interesting, and we can get to Gary and the Vikes here in a sec, but you look at where John had to turn to when he needed a head coach to do what he wanted to do. And Gary had always been right there with John and, and even deferential at times. So if these guys could grow together, you're solving two birds with one stone. And I don't know if that's the best whatever idiom to use, but you can also then focus on an offensive lineman in the draft, which is I think where everyone would feel comfortable knowing you've got that left tackle shore, shorn up. Is that the right word? Shorn up. Uh, because this draft is so deep and you're picking anywhere between 7 and 12, 13, 14, 15, where there's a lot of tackles available. Well, obviously, I like where you were headed there with uh, with Drew Locke being the future GM and, and Brent Allen being the future head coach of the Denver Broncos. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I think everybody does. I think that's it. I think everybody wants to go into this draft and say, look, they're in the first round. There are going to be right around the spot where the Broncos are going to be picking. There are going to be two positions with talent at positions of need, left tackle and another wide receiver, an elite wide receiver, whether that's Judy, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, who's my, my personal man crush. Uh, but there's there's talent there, and the Broncos don't want to have to sit there and invest another pick like that in a quarterback when you can fix other areas. The offensive line has been a problem for a long time in the John Elway era. And if, there are plenty of criticisms out there about John Elway, and if you want uh, a valid one, the valid one is that offensive line has never been what it should be. 
John should know the value of an offensive line and the investments that they've made there oftentimes have been high dollar free agent investments in guys that were often injured, Menelik Watson, Juwan James, uh, Okung, or draft picks that didn't pan out like Schofield, uh, like uh, Sambrio, Garrett Bowles. So, you know, that seems to be the issue with the Denver Broncos. And those two positions are the two biggest glaring needs on this team, a complimentary receiver for Cortland and a left tackle. But, and, and I guess this is just the optimism view on this, is the most recent one, Dalton Reisner, has been fantastic. And did they not change the way they looked at all draft prospects that just two years ago? So maybe there's a, a bit of a momentum towards, hey, we, we actually know now a little bit better of what we're looking for along the offensive line. So if they do draft a left tackle, it's not going to be a repeat of what they ended up uh, in, in the part of their analysis of Garrett Bowles. That, I guess, is where I, where I draw optimism about that. But you're 100% right. Right tackle, they've been trying to solve that through free agency for several years, and it's been a complete bust. Uh, left tackle, they tried to solve it with a really high draft pick. That did not work out. Um, I mean, really, Paradis was a good center. You have a, you have a good center in Connor McGovern right now. I think they'll probably end up trying to bring him back. Dalton Reisner, but otherwise, it's a lot, of, lot more misses than makes. Well, and to go in the wayback machine, had Ryan Clady's body not failed him, he would still be the left tackle, and we'd be talking about – not just the Ring of Famer, which I know there's plenty of people because he went to, I think, four all-pro teams or was named to four all-pro teams. I think he'll be in the Ring of Fame, and rightfully so. But we'd be talking about a gold jacket and adding another Bronco to Canton. So since then, it's, it's like it's all kind of fallen apart post-Ryan Clady. You mentioned Dalton Reiser in the second round, and it's obviously a great name to talk about. But you can also mention Cortland Sutton in the second round. And with how deep this wide receiver class is really through the top 50, and how many tackles are getting top 10 kind of grades. I've seen five different tackles that have shown up on mock drafts in the top 10, which says a lot of people think there's a lot of, a lot of good players, or even if it's in the top 15, right? Uh, but you're, you've got a couple that you're focused on, the big kid from Georgia, and you can go from there. To have that generational guy, if you could get him and he can stay healthy, I feel like you can always find good wide receivers. Maybe not great wide receivers, but good wide receivers second round on. Well, for the Broncos, if they can get their left tackle, let's say they do take one in the top ten, then you're talking about the future of your left side of your offensive line is set. And think about what that does for your run game. Think about what it does for a young quarterback. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a funny thing how sometimes I feel like in our business we're, when we start talking about the need for offensive linemen, it feels like an, an unsexy position. But in the end, when you draft the right one, it changes everything. It does, and it needs to be the focus and the priority. Uh, with the advent of spread offenses, you, more and more receivers get on the field in the college game. You see four and five guys getting on the field at a time and get more reps. The amount of left tackles getting reps hadn't changed. So there's always going to be a, a far more limited pool at a greater position of need in offensive tackle than there is at receivers. So, yes, you definitely want to prioritize the tackle position over the wide receiver position if your guy is there. I, I do. I love the kid out of Georgia. A home run for me is if the Broncos some came somehow came out of this draft getting rugs and and thomas oh that, that's a home run for me it's a grand slam yeah i'd even consider worse there he's also a top 10 guy but but yes no no question about it and I, I think sometimes with the offensive lineman there's a little bit of concern about the development time because again sometimes coming out of certain systems i mean george i don't think you worry about that too much but other systems and for example you know garrett Bowles. i mean the guy that stood up 
a lot. <laughs> so uh, you you wonder a little bit about that. But again, if you're taking one of the top tier guys, the expectation is they start right away and they should be able to play. This is probably where John Elway is going to rely on Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper as well in their evaluation of the O-line. Not that, that John doesn't know what a Hall of Fame left tackle looks like because when he had one, they won his first Super Bowl. All right, looking at the Vikings and kind of ties in there, that first Super Bowl, the offensive coordinator was Gary Kubiak. And then obviously Super Bowl 50, the head coach was Gary Kubiak. Vic Fangio said he sees Gary's fingerprints all over this offense, and that's what Vaughn Miller said as well. It's funny because Kevin Stefanski gets <laughs> almost no love as the OC, and it's all about Gary Kubiak. But when you got Rick Dennison and Brian Perriani, and uh, I think I'm, I'm missing one more former Broncos coach that's there with him as well uh, that I'm drawing a blank on. This does look a lot like Broncos offenses that we've seen uh, in the past. Yeah, this week we've uh... – been spending a lot of time watching the offense, watching Kirk Cousins, watching uh, Cooks, uh, what they've been doing without Thielen, when Thielen was in there. It doesn't look like Thielen's going to be able to play this week, which makes a lot of sense since their bye week is just on the other side. It, why, why risk it? He came back momentarily against the Chiefs, and he had to leave with that hamstring. There's just no reason to risk it. They've got bigger aspirations because, again, they're paying Kirk Cousins that kind of money. But, yeah, I mean, look, we talked about it on Broncos Country tonight earlier this week. Watching this offense is very reminiscent. You 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 feel like you're watching what has been uh, an offense that's that's very um, very much a Broncos offense that that we're we're used to, and it, it's a lot of play action. Um, you know, you're you're using that screens a lot. You got you're utilizing the tight end. You got these short crosses that they use a lot. They t- try to take their deep shots. Um, I mean, honestly, that helps the familiarity part of it. But again, that also helps the Vikings because they're familiar when the Broncos come to town because there's similarities there too. Yeah, and and you mentioned Kevin Stefanski. The the offense got significantly better in Minnesota last year when he took over for John DeFilippo, but it, it's it wasn't hitting like it's hitting now. Um, they're they're clicking on all cylinders, and rightly or wrongly, because he took over midseason and couldn't make sweeping changes. Gary Kubiak and the and the former Broncos staff guys are getting a lot of the credit there, maybe deservedly so. I mean, maybe Kevin Stefanski really has um, really did that much, but you know, Dalvin Cook is what what drives this thing, and and I think any offensive coordinator is going to look fantastic if you got Dalvin Cook back there running the rock. Well, and you bring up Dalvin Cook, loved him at Florida State. I think he dropped in the draft farther than I would have expected. And then he gets hurt, what, his second, third game uh, as a rookie. I think I had him on a couple fantasy teams. And then last year he, he banged up and never really found his footing. This year I didn't get him on any fantasy teams, and I'm certainly regretting it. I think you're right, right? It's the old John Fox line, show me a good coach and I'll show you good players. But when you put them in the best possible scheme to succeed, he's what scares you the most. As well as Kirk Cousins has played this year, and as good as that defense is, if Dalvin Cook's running the way Leonard Fournette ran on these Broncos, and I don't think that's going to happen to that degree, then you're worried about a long down Sunday. He's averaging over 141 yards from scrimmage per game, and it's in the short pass. It's they're they're moving him all over the place. Obviously, the way he's running, it's it's a rare combination of speed and power. And we, we've talked about guys that, that have had one or the other very, you know, been very good at it. But with him, it's both. And and he is one of those guys that it's it's not going to, you know, arm tackles. We talked about that earlier in the week. I heard Justin Simmons talking about that. He just breaks those at the line and he gets to the second, then he gets to the third level. And once he starts gaining that momentum, it's tough to bring him down. Yeah, he was one of the highest graded running backs I've had over the last couple of years coming out in the draft. Just a just phenomenal player. But it's not just the physical attributes. You know, you talk about that third gear and the running with power and, you know, the balance and all that. But he's got vision and patience on top of that. He's perfect for the scheme and what they're trying to do. Uh, and he's averaging basically five. 
five yards a touch. That's halfway to a first down every time he touches the ball. That's that's incredible. And Madison's averaging that too. And he's he's four point nine two. Right, and it's not like they're playing bad defenses. I mean, they played against Chicago, Green Bay. They've, they've played against good defenses. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a tough task. Um, you know, looking at this from the outside, looking in, it's not one where I'm sitting here expecting a Broncos win. But, uh, boy, if they pulled it off, I'd be super happy about it. Well, then the final thing I have for you, what will be the key? I think you guys asked me this on Tuesday uh, when I was on Broncos Country Tonight. What will be the key or what will it take for the Broncos to go into the Twin Cities and come away with a win? Well, that's two things. One, you got to shut down or contain, slow down Dalvin Cook and that run game. And then two, get Kirk Cousins off his spot. Uh, he's, he's much, much better in the pocket throwing than he is throwing on the run. Doesn't have the core strength, doesn't have the arm strength uh, to be able to do that. He makes bad decisions on the fly when you when, he, when he's rushed. Uh, so if you can get him off his spot, double the A-gap pressure, move him left to his left or to his right and get him throwing the ball, you can probably turn him over. And that's going to be key to uh, to maximizing possessions and trying to get points. Well, for the Broncos' offense, I mean, they're they're going to be facing uh, one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, we're talking about a team that is uh, seventh best in the league in takeaways. So they've got 15 on the year. The Broncos have to play clean. So you're talking about what they have to do on, on the defense side of the ball to contain that offense, which is clicking in all cylinders. And on the other side, uh, those defensive ends, man, I mean, they, they are going to be a nightmare all day long for two tackles in the Broncos that have struggled against – guys that have that kind of power and that kind of speed so I I think the the challenge there along the offensive line is you're going to have to keep your quarterback as clean as possible uh, you're going to have you're going to have to get him uh, mobile if he needs to escape and you're going to have to find a way to run the ball against that front which is going to be very difficult and by the way all the uh, throughout that whole process you can't turn the ball over you can't get behind the sticks either because if you get a holding penalty sends you back and you're going to be in third and long all day you're you're going to have a problem I said last one but I am curious cuz we didn't get to this early I asked Vic Fangio <laughs> what did they see in Cyrus Jones that made made him want to bring him in did that move make a lot of sense to you guys? Moving on from Cody Sensabaugh is one thing, but we don't think Bryce Callahan's going to play, right, ever. And so he, Jones is a DB by trade, I guess, but he's a kick returner, and that's the one place you've actually been okay with Deontay Spencer. Is just saying, hey, Spencer, you need to be better? Is it just adding a, a guy for depth? I think it's both. It says, hey, Spencer, we got another guy in here. You need to you need to let some of those balls down there near the 5 and 10. You let those go over your head. But the other part of this is Bryce Callahan uh, came out and practiced. Uh, it was a Tuesday. It was no-go yesterday. He's going to be a no-go uh, or no-go Wednesday, no-go Thursday. Um, that's <laughs> he's not he's going to get put on the IR I, I'll just break it to you now he's, he's going to go on the IR he's not he's not ready he's not going to be ready uh, they tried to bring him back and, and it just hasn't taken we've known about this for months but now it's becoming official and it'll become official either this week or next week he's going to go on the IR so um, at this point it's an it's depth you know you've had Callahan there as some kind of emergency option hoping to get well he's not going to get well you, you bring him in you hope that he can uh, he can get up to speed you liked what you saw you liked what you seen out of Devonte Harris you liked what you saw to Bosby but he's not healthy uh, so you need another body in there and and that's what he is and he's also a former second round pick for the Patriots which the Broncos have another one of those and Duke Dawson look some sometimes with these guys they just might have a high grade on him and and they just had always had liked him and I mean that's kind and of if what you I watch, got. If you watch him play at Alabama, he's easy to like. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the vibe I got from from Vic Fangio. It's like, oh, he's just a guy we liked. And so you see a guy out there you liked, you had a high grade on him, and you you're able to get him for nothing. And and at this point, if you you feel like you can make your roster better, you bring him in. And and who knows? I mean, Cody Sensabaugh was was playing on Sundays, but not a ton of stuff. <laughs>
Yeah, not sure there's a huge loss in Cody sense the ball. There's a reason that he was on the street as long as he was. No team in the offseason and no team through the preseason. And then, obviously, a huge pass interference call uh, late in the Colts game. And Cyrus Jones just gives a, an extra dimension that uh, and depth that the Broncos haven't had. They don't have a lot of depth in a lot of places. So now you went from having no kick returners to two really damn good ones. All right, tomorrow, Saturdays with Suze. And then... Sunday, we'll go behind enemy lines. We'll talk to Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. So I appreciate you listening. We will catch you Saturday. And then Susie and I will hop on the plane with the Broncos and head to Minneapolis. I'm Brandon Cristal. Follow me on Twitter at BK Denver Sports. And we'll see you Saturday on the Broncos Daily Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.